Buck Nutters. Welcome to the Buck Nuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 24th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, uh, you got a lot of people hot and bothered with your column um, on Sunday. The bucket must read material every week. This week was about Matthew Baldwin's transfer. I will say, I mean, I think it was a vocal minority that were uh, upset because it was upvoted like crazy. I think it was like at 80 upvotes at last count. So a lot of people really liked your column. Um, but a lot of people pushed back against it, too. Um, the gist of it was you were not a fan of, of the timing of Matthew Baldwin's transfer. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You can describe the column and uh, kind of uh, what sparked you to uh, to pen that column. Yeah, so... Uh, there were a lot of people, it seemed like everybody was upset with the column, were upset that I all of a sudden was being, quote, hypocritical about uh, being upset that Baldwin was transferring out, but I never said a word about Justin Fields transferring in. Um, that's not the point here. I don't think anybody's questioning whether Matthew Baldwin should be allowed to transfer, right? Like, anybody's allowed to make the choice to transfer. I'm one of those people who fully support kids being eligible right away when they transfer. My frustration isn't Matthew Baldwin choosing to transfer because he wants to play right away. My frustration is that Matthew Baldwin was recruited to Ohio State as an injured player where the clear plan was he was going to rehab for a year, learn for a year or two, and then start. And everybody was on board with that same process. And so we got through the whole Matt Baldwin's healthy process, and now at the spot where, you know, the plan was saying you're going to help OSU with depth and improve and learn, and then he decided to dip out on the Buckeyes. So it felt a lot like OSU was used to, you know, get him back on his feet, and then his feet went a-walking. And by the way, I also hated it when the end of spring practice, where it's going to be harder to get another quarterback to come in and take away reps from somebody who's not even going to be here next year. I mean, Baldwin had 36 pass attempts in the spring game. How many attempts did he have over the course of the spring? If he really knew he wanted to go home, then, you know, it, it makes it even worse. So, in the end, it's not the kid's ability to transfer. When Garen Prater went in the transfer portal this week, I applauded him. I think the kid should get a chance to play, and he's not going to here. That's always been my position on this. But uh, Baldwin, I, it feels a little bit like OSU was kind of just used as a vehicle here. And, you know, it, it, Baldwin got all the benefit in the relationship, and OSU didn't even get any of it. And, again, this is a kid who OSU didn't have to sign. They didn't have him sign to anything whenever he, whenever he, he was hurt. And OSU stuck with him, and they did the right thing. And you'd figure Baldwin at least would have stuck with him for another year while he was actually healthy, instead of just being the injured backup who couldn't play, doing his spring football and going. That's my frustration with it, because I do feel like it, it, and maybe he didn't intentionally do OSU dirty, but in the end result is that OSU kind of got done dirty here. Yeah, I want to talk about like what led to all of this, too. I mean, I... I've been, you know, vocal. I think this is pretty obvious. I mean, this is a lot more than about homesickness. I mean, if it was, <laughs> does anyone actually believe that if uh, he was named the starter, that he, that he would uh, leave the program? Like, no. I mean, no one believes that. So I, I wonder what, um, I wonder if this was in the back of his mind the whole time, like during, like entering spring, even, you know, he knew, you know, Justin Fields transferred here in January. So he, he knew about Justin Fields going into spring. I wonder if his mindset was, if I'm not the starter leaving spring, I'm going to leave. I'm going to battle this out. And then I also wonder how, what, how that conversation went between Ryan Day and Matthew Baldwin. I'm sure they talked, whether it was Matthew Baldwin approaching Coach Day or vice versa. How do you think that went down? Just, do, you think, do you agree that it, that was kind of Baldwin's mindset going into spring, that he needed to be named the starter, uh, kind of like Joe Burrow last year? I didn't see that coming. I thought, especially considering the fact that Matthew Baldwin waited until his senior year of high school to be a starter. I thought he'd be patient. But just to unpack all yep. that for me. Well, this has nothing in common with Joe Burrow, first of all. That was something that people were trying to throw out as a comparison. 
Joe Burrow was at OSU for three years. He got his degree and was a guy who knew if he left, he would start immediately at a major school for two years, right? Joe Burrow didn't come to OSU hurt, rehab, and then leave before he could do anything for the team. Joe Burrow fought his butt off to get on the field here, and we're all rooting for Joe Burrow because of it, right? There's a big difference. Um, I, I think, and also anybody's saying, well, you know, things have changed since Baldwin committed backs. You're, you, you're just being ridiculous. Well, no, I'm not. Matthew Baldwin committed to Ryan Day, who picked him, handpicked him, as the quarterback that he was looking at at the time to get in this class. Ryan Day's the head coach now. So the guy who recruited him as the head coach should be even better for him. Ryan, er, at the time when Matthew Baldwin committed, at best-case scenario, he was still expected to be sitting behind Tate Martell at this point and potentially still Dwayne Haskins because not a lot of people thought Haskins was going to go pro right away. So right now Baldwin was one snap away from getting on the field behind one player instead of potentially behind two players like he could have been when he committed. To me, this is uh, – I agree with you on one thing. He definitely went into the spring thinking – yeah, if I'm not the starter, I'm going to transfer. Um, and bluntly, if he was starting, he wouldn't be transferring. And I'll be also candid. I think the one thing that has changed is the, the widespread transfer uh, situation becoming where kids are immediately eligible. Um, you know, you're seeing this with quarterbacks. And I, I think what really changed for Baldwin was when Martell transferred and was immediately eligible. I'm sure the conversation with Baldwin and his family was, you know, you could start at SMU or North Texas this fall and you could be closer to home and you could start right away. And do you really want to sit for two years or three years when you could start right away? Um, and I think that got into his head and, you know, instead of him sticking around and following the plan that he had put in place during his recruitment with Ryan day, he decided that uh, if he wasn't going to start, he was going to cut bait and head home. And, you know, I, I, I'll be blunt. I don't buy the homesickness thing. I went to college a thousand miles from home at Ohio State. I know what it's like to miss your parents and miss being near people. You don't get homesick a year and a half in. You get homesick three months in, six months in, right? But three months in, six months in, Matt Bald was in the middle of a, you know, really nice rehab facility at Ohio State getting his knee right again. And in no way, shape, or form in any practical sense should homesickness have overridden getting his knee healthy so he could play. So. That's the part that's frustrating is, is it feels like, well, now that I'm healthy, you know, I think I'm going to break this whole plan thing we had came up with. And, uh, you know, it might be cool to start for North Texas. Who cares if I'm one snap away with a running quarterback ahead of me and, you know, I haven't even been here for a healthy season yet. That's what feels – I can't say wrong because anybody has the right to transfer, but it, I don't like the way it went down at all. And it feels in the end like OSU is the party that got used here. Now the Buckeyes are down to just two scholarship quarterbacks, Justin Fields, of course, and Chris Chuganoff, and they're looking to add a third scholarship quarterback. You know, pickings are going to be slim, um, but they got, my, got really good news yesterday. Gunnar Hoke from Kentucky, uh, kid from Columbus, Dublin Kaufman, announced he is going to at least put, put his name in the transfer portal. I guess he did leave it open that he could return to Kentucky, although I think that's not going to happen. They have Terry Wilson there as their quarterback. He's also a fourth-year junior, just like Gunnar Hoke. And we've talked about Gunnar Hoke on the show before, but for the listeners out there that are not familiar with him, uh, he'll be a fourth-year junior this fall. He'll be eligible immediately as a graduate transfer. So, um, 
you know, he's not a kid that would come in here and light the world on fire and, and challenge Justin Fields for the starting job, but um, I think that's probably about as good as Ohio State could get right now. Um, the young man's father played for the Buckeyes as a walk-on. His uncle is Fred uh, Pugich, the outstanding, really the architect of the Silver Bullets. That's when they started the Silver Bullets was in 1996 when Fred Pugich took over the defense from Bill Young. Who, Bill Young was an awful defensive coordinator. Bucknuts existed back then. Bill Young would have got just crushed every day on the side. He was awful. Tim Biakopatuka still owes him money for running all over Ohio State in 1995. But I digress. Um, Gunner Hoke backs. Your, your thoughts on him perhaps being a Buckeye? Best we're going to get. <laughs> you you put her the put it pretty clear there. Ohio State's gonna have slim pickings of options and whenever Hoke announced he was going in the transfer portal, I'm pretty sure every Ohio State fan who was paying any attention went, Ooh, ooh, I like it. I really like it. Uh you know, the truth is is that he's not gonna beat up fields. Uh but if you're gonna Hoke and you're leaving Kentucky because you're not gonna start, you're either gonna go to some junky little school where you're gonna get to play but nobody's ever gonna see you, or you can go to Ohio State get your graduate degree from Ohio State in your hometown and set yourself up after football for all these networking options and potentially compete to be the backup quarterback for two years at Ohio State, um, where, again, there is a running quarterback ahead of you. So, you know, I, I think part of the sales pitch to Hoke is going to be, hey, this is your home state school, you know. When Gunnar Hoke was getting recruited, I don't think Ohio State sniffed at him. So, you know, maybe this is an opportunity to go to the school he grew up rooting for. He certainly has the family ties. So this may be one where, you know, hey, there, there's another depth spot chart that's, you know, checked off, if you will. Um, it, it's not going to be as good as Baldwin. You know, he's not going to have the playbook down pat. He's, you know, it's it's not going to be the same as it would have been, but it's it's good to have another person providing depth who can compete for the backup role. So I certainly hope it happens because – you can't go into a season with two quarterbacks. That's a recipe for just complete and utter disaster. One thing I'm concerned about is we're all too quick to assume, myself included, that, oh, well, come on, of course Gunnar Hoke's going to come here. He's a kid from Dublin Coffin. Dad played for the Buckeyes. He's one play away from being the starter if he can beat out Chris Chuganoff. And, man, what a way to end his career. Um, but what if he's thinking, yeah, that'd be great, but I don't want to sit behind Justin Fields for two years and wait for – uh, an injury. I want to go play at name a Mac school, name another Division One school that's a you know lower tier Division One school, um, and be a starter for two years. Maybe it, uh, there's a coach out there promising he, he can start. I mean, what's your concern level there that we're all too uh, quick to assume that Gunnar Hook wants to just transfer to Ohio State to be a backup? Hi, because I don't think he's even made that decision himself yet. I think Gunnar Hook is going to have the choice between, like you said, starting at smaller schools whether it's Youngstown State or, you know, Bowling Green or something like that, or being a backup at OSU and getting the benefits of being a Buckeye. You know, those that's that's the question. And if you're Gunnar Hoke and you just started exploring this whole process and you just went home, of course you're going to visit OSU. It's not like it's any effort for you. But you're going to probably make other visits too or talk to other coaches too before you make that decision. And I bet you right now Gunnar Hoke doesn't know what he wants to do. I know – he knows that he didn't want to be the backup at Kentucky, which is fine. You know, so he leaves Kentucky. Being the backup at OSU and it's your hometown school is a little bit different than being the backup at Kentucky, right? But does that compare to starting somewhere? That's a decision Gunnar Oak's going to have to make. And right now, we don't know that he's coming to OSU by any ways, by any means, shape, or form. So OSU can't just go after Gunnar Hoke as names appear in the transfer portal. 
OSU is going to have to keep their eye out because if Gunnar Hoke decides, you know, it'd be really fun to start for two years at Buffalo instead, well, then more power to him, you know. Uh, wish him the best of luck. He's not obligated to come to Ohio State, you know. So uh, I, I certainly think the quarterback situation right now is fraught with danger, no question about it. I talked about this uh, with Joshua Perry on his podcast yesterday. I mean, Chris Chuganoff's probably over here like, hey, don't forget about me. Like, I'm a scholarship guy. I'm a fifth-year senior. I, I, you might have thought I sucked when I was at West Virginia, but I've improved since then. And I didn't get much of a chance at West Virginia. It was a small sample size. And he's got a chance to work with Ryan Day for two years now. And, um, you know, if you know, Chug is a guy, if, if, he, if Justin Fields goes down with a season-ending injury in camp and Chug beats out, let's say Gunnar Hoke transfers in, there's no way they're going to win the national championship with Chug as their quarterback. But no. my question is, can Chug be a guy like a Kenny Guyton that can come in and save the day against Purdue? Or, you know, if they have to play at Cal because the starter can't play, you can go in there and tear up Cal's terrible defense. Can Chug be like kind of Kenny Guyton 2.0, or is that even too much to ask? How dare you besmirch the name of the great Kenny G, the greatest backup quarterback <laughs> chug, in the history of Ohio chug, State. Chug, 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 <laughs> I mean, chug. It, it would be a lot of fun to be able to just chant chug with 100,000 people at the horseshoe, don't get me wrong. Um, but, A, the Kenny Guyton level of backup quarterback is a very high level. Like We've had very good backup quarterbacks under Urban Meyer between Kenny G and Cardell Jones, right? And then Dwayne Haskins. So, I mean, you know. We're we're in a spot where uh, Chuganov has a lot to live up. You're putting Kenny Guyton into into that category with with Cardale and Dwayne. I was thinking more you know, like Brett like Brett Powers, 1993. I mean, let's be honest here. Knowing what we know about the system, whenever the passing game was in place and how the passing quarterbacks have been more successful than the running quarterbacks, don't you kind of wonder what it would have looked like if Kenny had started that whole year? I'm just saying. But anyways, I still think, I still think uh, about Scott, Scott McMullen sometimes in 2003. There's no way you're going to bench Craig Krenzel. I get it. But there were times that Scott McMullen saved the day against Penn State in 2003. He definitely was a better passer than Craig Krenzel. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry yeah. to interrupt you. Yeah, we keep, we keep bringing up backup quarterbacks of your. But uh, the, the truth is, I'll give you this about Shuganov. He, was not, he wasn't going to start at WVU, so he left for a better opportunity. But on the flip side, you know, this is, uh, this is a guy who did start in the Big 12, and he's not just, like, some terrible guy who's never going to play ever, and I, he didn't look horrible in the spring game, but, again, there's a reason he transferred. There's a reason he was a third stringer at West Virginia. Um, expecting Chug to be the kind of guy who wins games against teams any better than, like, Indiana is probably unfair to him. Um, Ohio State would have to run the hell out of the football and play awesome defense, you know, for Chris Chuganov to be the starting quarterback on a team that wins a bunch of games. Um, you know, he's the kind of guy who probably could step in here and there if needed, but if you're starting him and playing him, I mean, I, we don't know, but I, I think from everything we've seen from, from Chug, he's best suited in a backup role. And, you know, it, uh, I said after the spring I was worried about Baldwin's development, but you could see that, that he was you know potentially a high-level quarterback. I don't know if we've ever said that about Chug when we've seen him. I think we've said, okay, well, you know, he's another guy for the quarterback room. He's kind of another, quote, body. Ohio State right now, in, in terms of the transfer market, is looking for another Chug because that's all you're going to find out there. So and I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. God knows it's not my nature, but, you know, God help Justin Fields stay healthy. Woody protect his knees, you know? 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, I think Gunnar Hook would have a good chance of beating out Chug. So I think you know, if, mm-hmm. if if Fields would go down, I think I'd prefer Hook in there over over Chug. But uh, hey, Hook's got to come Me here too. first. So uh, hey, great stuff from the People's Champ as usual. He is Matt Baxendale. Thank you very much, Bax, and thank you to all listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's try that Buckeye swag, best in band in the land. Bye. 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 Bye.